Amen. Amen. Well, good morning once again and welcome to church. My name is Travis, the lead pastor here at Antioch. So thankful to see each of you here. Uh, it is good to be in the house of God, to worship him, to give him the glory that he so richly deserves. So thanks for being here. Um, man, we are starting a new series today uh, that's going to last us throughout the summer. As, as you know, if you've, if you've been around over the course of this year, uh, we've been doing a, a number of uh, different chapter studies out of different chapters uh, from different books of the Bible and uh, taking a little more in-depth step into uh, some of these uh, particular sections of the scripture. And uh, this summer, we're going to be doing that out of Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, Hebrews chapter 11 is a pretty well-known passage of scripture because of uh, the, it's, it's unique in the way that it describes people from all throughout uh, the Bible and the ways that they exhibited faith in their own life and the way they believed God. And so uh, this uh, passage of scripture is going to give us the opportunity to really extrapolate uh, from uh, some of these different verses uh, the, the, the stories and the richness of the stories of some of the the people of God that it speaks of. And so uh, it's going to be for us, hopefully, an encouragement, an example, and a challenge throughout the, the, the summer uh, for us to have eyes of faith. And uh, that's really what we're believing for the, this, throughout this series, is that God would open our eyes to see him for who he is, and that we would take every opportunity to step in to places of faith in new ways. And so uh, it really goes right along with where, where we've been. So uh, we have been talking about revival and really being stewards of revival, responding to the life that God is pouring out in our midst. And one of the conversations that we've had uh, quite a bit over the last few months is, uh, God, would you, would you open uh, each one of us, would you open our eyes to see what you're doing? Uh, we know that there has been an incredible breakthrough. We've been having opportunities to share different testimonies of the way God is moving and pouring out his spirit in unprecedented ways. And, uh, and yet we don't want it to be just for a few that, that experience what it is that God is doing, but really uh, invite the, the church into uh, engaging with God in these ways. And there's a, a couple of ways that we feel like God has uh, given us next steps in doing that. One has been through what we've been talking about over the last few weeks, and that's stewarding revival. How do we steward revival as a church? How do we steward revival personally in our own lives as we walk with Jesus? Last week, we talked about how to steward it in our homes, uh, in our families, amongst our roommates, like where we live, how do we, how do we ca cause that place to be a sanctuary, a place that hosts the presence of God? And, and this, this series is a, another way that we feel as though we're just taking that next step into uh, facilitating what God is doing. And that's just with this overarching prayer of God, give us eyes to see what you're doing by faith. Over and over again throughout the, this chapter of Hebrews 11, we're going to see that little phrase, by faith, so-and-so did this. By faith, so-and-so did that. And so what does it look like for us to operate by faith and to have our eyes open to see him and what he's doing? The third thing that God spoke, and this was probably uh, one of the, the most significant things that we felt as though God spoke, and that was through the sharing of testimonies that, uh, that, our, that our eyes will be open to see what he's doing. 
not just teaching, not just uh, you know, Bible study or worship, but actually through testimonies. And a couple of weeks ago, we, uh, we had a, an entire uh, Sunday where we focused and looked at the word of God on the power of the testimony and testifying to who he is and, and what he's done. And so uh, I've asked Peyton Allen to come on up here so you can give her a hand as she walks up here to share a testimony with us this morning. Of, of what God is, is doing in their home and specifically just since last Sunday uh, and what they've gotten to see God do this week. So Peyton? Yeah. Um, so this time last Sunday, me and Trevor came up and prayed with Travis. He had an image last week of um, a bunch of homes being on fire for the Lord and that spreading in the city and throughout the valley. And that really resonated with us. We've really felt like God has put our neighbors on our heart in a new way, in a fresh way this season. And, um, and so we came forward to have prayer over that. And we had a few different families that we highlighted, one of them being our neighbors across the street. Um, we've just seen over the course of the couple years we've lived there, just a lot of brokenness and hurt. And it's really kind of ramped up in the last couple of months and really been on display even just in their driveway. Um, and so our hearts have just really hurt for them and their kids. And we've just been like, Lord, how, how do we engage? What do we do? Um, like just the presence of God is living right across the street from them in our home. How do we facilitate that? How do we engage? How do we initiate with them? And so Travis prayed for us and just prayed that the Holy Spirit would be felt in our home, that people who even just walked in the doors would feel the presence of God. Um, and he expanded that even to our property, that people who come onto our property would feel the presence of God. Um, and then he took it even further, that people would even just come to our door and they would feel the presence of God at our doorstep. Um, and so on Tuesday, um, I'm at home and that morning I had prayed. I'm like, God, just use us today. Just use us, direct our paths, our every step. And we had actually had plans to go out and about that day. And it was just one of those days with the kids. We couldn't, we needed to stay home. And, um, my husband calls, like my son had just fallen off the slide. He was wet from the sprinkler. He was bleeding. And Trevor calls and says, are you home? And I said, yeah. And he said, our neighbor is at the door. And I said, what? And so I take my baby and I run up to the door and I open the door. And there the neighbor that we had prayed for on Sunday is standing at our doorstep. And she's visibly kind of like shaken and frantic. And she's like, I don't know what else to do. Like, can you help me? And I'm like, yes, yes, what is going on? And her daughter um, was at preschool and she was already late to pick her daughter up. She ran out of gas to pick her daughter up. So she was gonna catch the bus. And she missed the bus, she said. She called a cab. The cab was going to be too late. And so just all these ways she was trying to get there to her daughter were failing, and she didn't know where else to turn. Um, and she found herself on our doorstep asking if she could borrow our golf cart. We have a golf cart, and we kind of putt-putt around our neighborhood. Um, and I said, it's 100 degrees, and that school is miles away. Just take my car, go. And it was this really sweet opportunity to be able to encourage her and say, we're your neighbors. We're here for you. Whatever we can do to help you, like, please take our car. Like, whatever else you need. I was able to exchange phone numbers with her, um, which felt like a really just awesome way to engage with them. This family's just really had a wall. It has felt like a wall around their home. Um, they're the, the family that's in and out of the house quickly. Their eyes are down. You like kind of try to make eye contact with them to wave and it just hasn't been there. So to be able to 
have the in with them, get their number, be able to love on them. And she was in tears that I would offer my car to her. Um, Just felt like a really sweet way that God answered our prayers for us to be able to initiate with them. And we're just really expectant for all that God has for them. Um, We're excited to engage in relationship with them. And now that we have their number, we can text them for play dates and just do all the things that we weren't sure how um, to initiate. God made a way. It was really sweet. Amen. 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 Isn't that so good? I mean, just the, and I think it it gets at the heart of what God is inviting us into. That that first of all, there's just the eyes of faith to see what what it is that God's wanting to do uh, in us and through us all around us. Because as as Peyton and Trevor came up, they were like, hey, God God has positioned us in this neighborhood, we feel that we feel that God has positioned us, and uh, b- between these neighbors across the street that they were communicating about, uh, several like uh, people that had walked out of the Mormon Church that were just kind of bitter and confused about things, and so like God has positioned us here. So okay, you see it, I, eyes of faith. And uh, along with that, that God has plans and purposes for each one of these people and his heart breaks for them and the dysfunction that they're experiencing. And, and, uh, and then beyond that, to say, God, would you include me in your plan to reach them? Like the God giving that heart, uh, coming out of that, that word of like these houses being on fire, like, and there's just resonance in them. And that's what they came and said. We feel like God said, that's, that's our house. That's what our house is supposed to be. And then God bringing them two days later to their, to their literal doorstep uh, is, is what God is wanting to, to, to unleash in us uh, across the room. Just eyes of faith that then take that next step with just this idea of a, an include me prayer. God, would you include me in what you're doing today? And I, I just feel like that's something that each one of us can pray. It's something I've been praying more in my, in my own life. Uh, not even, you know, and it's, it feels even a little different than like, God, would you use me? Or God, would you uh, show me how to be obedient today? Like, I got to make sure and I do the thing. It's just like, no, God, you're moving all around me. Would you include me? Can I be a part of it? Like, could I just, is there anything I could do to just be a part of what you're doing and experience the joy of walking with you in that way? And so man, God is going to, to be doing some things, I believe, in us this summer in the ways of faith, which I know is a really broad, big Christian word with thousands of books and sermons and everything else about it. And we're going to try to narrow in a little bit and really believe for God to increase our faith in a way that translates into the way that we live each and every day. And so we're going to do that in Hebrews 11, and today I want to give us a little context as we begin that study uh, in, into the book of Hebrews. There's, there's two really central themes that we find in the book of Hebrews. One really is leading up to, to chapter 10 and 11, um, and, uh, and, and it's this. It's simply the supremacy of Jesus, that, that Jesus is all in all. It's this, this case that is built uh, particularly uh, through the Old Testament. The audience of the, the, this, this letter to the Hebrews is certainly those that would have had knowledge of the Old Testament and specifically the, the first five books of the Old Testament, the Torah. And, and so because it's, re, it's relating a lot back and, and sharing who Jesus is in light of the Old Testament. And it's speaking out these big truths and concepts about who he is. It 
it declares that he is superior to the angels. And so in, in, the, in the very cosmos of things that Jesus, the one, the man that came and lived, is superior to the angels. It then goes on and says that he is greater than Moses. So he takes this great historical, biblical figure and says, Moses? Compared to Jesus, like there's no comparison. Jesus is greater than Moses. Then declares that he is the, the perpetual great high priest. Okay, the, the high priest in their society is, is the highest kind of the, that you can, the highest kind of ranking that you might achieve. Uh, and and the, the one that can go into the holy of holies and he is the perpetual great high priest. And at the same time, he is the sacrifice. Not only is he the priest, but he is also the sacrifice once and for all. The, the sacrifice that would end the need for all sacrifices. This is who Jesus is. And so uh, this, the chapters one through, through nine and, in, and into the first half of 10 are building this beautiful case for who Jesus is and how worthy he is and how great he is and how there is none that compares. And the second theme that then comes out of those, the first chapters of Hebrews is, is this. And that is the, the challenge for the saint to persevere in Christ. Per, the perseverance of the saint, the, per, the perseverance in Christ, uh, the, the fact that he is worthy of our suffering. That, that all these first chapters and who he is, that he is now worthy of our suffering and that we are to remain faithful in hardship and persecution. In this life where, where a, the, a believer in Jesus will face opposition, where, where there, there will be encounters that come against the truth of the knowledge of Jesus, uh, that we are to be faithful in light of who he truly is. That if we believe that he is higher than the angels, greater than Moses, the great high priest, the sacrifice once and for all, then, then we will live a life worthy uh, of the calling that we have received, of, of, su of enduring suffering and persecution because he is worthy for his namesake, all right? And so we're gonna start reading in Hebrews chapter 10 because Hebrews chapter 10 really sets up, uh, particularly the, the last, uh, I think we're gonna read the last seven or eight verses there, and uh, it really sets up the reason for why we go through Hebrews 11, which is really just a kind of this a compilation of, of all these heroes of the faith and their stories and how they modeled faith. And so the faith that is being modeled is set up for us at the end of Hebrews chapter 10 uh, as he's challenging his, his readers to live a life worthy of the calling they've received in the midst of suffering and trial. So read with me, beginning in Hebrews chapter 10, Verse 32, Hebrews 10, 32. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. 
it will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And but my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But, who, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. So the author of Hebrews, who we, we don't know who that is, is writing to these believers um, who are going through suffering. There, there, are, there are trials that they are going through. And so he's writing to them and des- describing to them how worthy Jesus is and, how, and, and encouraging them to continue to, to walk by faith. To walk by faith in the midst of their trials and in the midst of their suffering. And it sets up this, this great hope uh, that we have as believers. Um, and, and, and this life is th- that's really being proposed by the author of Hebrews. This life of faith. This life of believing in Jesus despite the circumstances that are around you. That there is a life of hope that you can live. And specifically... I think of verse 34 there that we just read. It says that you suffered along with those in prison and you joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. Why? Because you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. There's something else that you had that, that people didn't know you had that allowed you to joyfully accept the persecution in your life that allowed you to stand firm. And so this is the the life that the author of Hebrews is promoting for us, is is this life of I'm not here living for the, the pleasures that this world and specifically the society that we live in has to offer us. The, the comforts and, and the pleasures, but rather we are trading those things and we are even joyfully okay not having those things or those things, those freedoms being taken from us because we are living for something else. Uh, and, and that hope in something to come is powerful. It, it, and it gives us the ability to live today differently and with purpose and with conviction. And so we live out this, this life of, of conviction. In fact, it, it says that in verse 35, do not throw away your confidence, your confidence in living for the things of the kingdom, for the things of God. It will, it will not be wasted and you will be richly rewarded. So there's this confidence that comes in this hope. And then we turn to Hebrews 11 in verse one and we see this hope being called something different because it's not just a hope that is wishful thinking or just like this, this kind of faint hope. It's actually this, beginning in verse one of Hebrews 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It is the conviction of things not seen. And let's read a couple more verses. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. 
So chapter 11 begins with this definition of faith that really links it to Hebrews chapter 10 with this idea of hope, that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It is this assurance of things that we place our hope in. And so you know, one of the, the old translations, maybe it was even the King James translation, a lot of what uh, the, the, maybe you grew up on was that faith is the, the assurance or the substance of things hoped for. Okay, and so we, we take these ideas, this assurance, and you know, this word in the Greek is a very difficult word to translate into English. That's why you may have another translation that you're reading, and it's got a, a different word besides a substance or assurance, and, and because it's a difficult word to translate. And, and so we, we, we want to zero in a little bit, though, on what can we take away from this probably the most concise definition of faith ever, not to mention it being in the Bible. So a good one to just start, let's start here. What does this mean for the way that we live? And so as we, we read that, we, we think about the, the, the life that it challenges us to live. That there is something that we're, that we're hoping in that's not of this world. So we're okay with our possessions being taken from us because there's actually other possessions that we have that are of such far surpassing value. And that's why I like that word substance there. There's certainly an assurance, but there's a substance, like, like I can hold onto it. Okay, like there, there, there's, there's something that I'm grasping, that, I, that I've laid hold of. There's, a, there's an old book on faith that I've read a, a couple of times, which is saying something, because I, I have a hard time getting through books the first time. And so to read it a, a two or three times is, is saying something. But, but in this book, I think I was introduced in, in a new way to this idea. Th- this idea that there are truths in, in eternity, there are truths about uh, not only who God is, but what God has done and what he is doing, what he will do, what he will accomplish, things that we read in the word of God even that have not come to full fruition here and now. And, and this idea that faith is laying hold of, of an eternal reality, of a spiritual reality that we have not seen come into to fruition here yet, but we are fully assured of it. And so that, that faith is like I've laid hold of a substance uh, that's true in, in eternity, in, in scripture, that, that, yet my, that, I, that I, don't, I, don't, I don't know of here yet, but it is assured. It is something that I have, I have attained uh, in, in faith. And so there's, there's a substance there. There's, there's a solidity there to faith. Okay, because it's something that we've laid hold of. It's something that we've apprehended. So let me go back to our overarching prayer for the summer. And it's God, it's, it's God give us faith. And yet when we're saying God give us faith, it's not something that we're saying that we're just sitting back and kind of waiting around like, yeah, God, when you, when you so choose or whatever, like, like, you know, do something, God, so that I'll have more faith. It is God that increases our faith, but, but there, is, there is a partnership there where we're laying hold of, of spiritual realities that he's already spoken of 
that, that increases our faith. That, that, that he's saying, yes, I'm wanting to pour into you uh, it, faith as you lay hold of realities that trump things that you see here in the physical realm because you, you've, you've tapped into something of truth in the spiritual realm, and that's called faith. And it's assured, and it's a substance that, that can be laid hold of. And so that's, that's our challenge. There's something to be grasped of, of who he is. There's something to be grasped of his ways. There's something to be grasped of, of what he is doing in our midst. And we want to press in to know it, to see it. Again, can I just go back to, to Peyton's testimony where there, there's just a stirring. Like, okay, God, I, I, I feel like you've positioned us here. We are a house on fire. Let us be let, for your glory in our little neighborhood and pressing into that place. And then there's just, and then now what, now what happened to them? Their faith just got increased this week. Like we just prayed this prayer that somebody would show up on their doorstep and get touched by God. And two days later they did. And so now there's faith and there's, there's like, what else is God wanting to do? And how can we continue to walk with him in this way? God's wanting to pour out faith as we lay hold of it in the spirit. And, and so that's, that's, there's something significant that God is putting before us to lay hold of. Let's go to the second part of, of verse one there uh, in this, this kind of quick definition of faith. The second part says the conviction of things not seen. Again, this is a, a word that, uh, that over a period of uh, the time that the different translators of, of different versions of the Bible have translated in a, in a myriad of different ways. Uh, this word conviction, what, what does that mean? Again, the kind of the, the old way that maybe that some of you grew up on was the evidence of things not seen. One of the reasons that this becomes a little tricky is because this word only shows up here in all of the Bible, because one of the first helpful ways in, in learning how to interpret a particular word or phrase in Scripture is to find other places in the Scripture where that word is used, and it helps to give helpful context within kingdom language of how to, to best interpret that word. And this word not found anywhere else in Scripture, so then you go outside of Scripture to other ways in that day and time uh, that this word word was used. And, and, and when you do that, you find that it typically meant proof or argument or evidence. It was, it was something uh, objective, not, not something that was subjective to how somebody feels uh, uh, about the, the world around them, but something objective, which is why the original translation was evidence, uh, why, why now here the translation we read is, is the conviction. There's something of a, of, of a resoluteness to it. Uh, of a way that causes me to, to live in, in, a, in a particular fashion. And so, uh, again, I, I want us to think about a couple of these words, conviction and evidence uh, of things not seen. One of the reasons I think that per perhaps it's not no longer translated evidence is because um, faith is typically not thought of as, it's, it's usually we, we want evidence to have faith, but this is saying actually faith is evidence, um, but it's particularly evidence of things unseen. So it challenges us in, in those places where we see in other places of scripture that we are, we are not to, to simply see what is seen, but we're, we're, we're looking for what's eternal and what is unseen. In fact, ver verse three is kind of a proof text uh, of this uh, where, where it goes on 
and, and describes, it kind of gives this, this analogy to it all, it, where it says, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So we're gonna see this phrase over and over again, by faith, okay? So there's just a challenge even, uh, that we're, the way that we're gonna have to see is by faith. So by faith, we, we understand. So faith is bringing understanding to the fact that what is seen, uh, that is the world, was made by what is unseen, that is the word of God, the spoken word of God. So you don't see the spo- a spoken word, uh, so the, the world that we see was created out of the unseen. And so a lot of this journey of faith is going about seeing what's unseen. And, and when you begin to see that, it, it, it translates, and, and that's where the, kind of this, the, the title of this series even comes from, is that there's eyes of faith. Okay, so we're not, see, we're not saying um, that we see things and then believe. Okay, that's actually not what the, the evidence here is talking about. Um, it, because elsewhere in scripture, it's, it talks about that, right? Faith is not by sight. That's not what it's by. But, but there are things that you can, and that's talking about physical things. But there are things that God wants us to see in the spirit that cause us to believe, that cause us maybe to live with conviction, so it's laying hold of this, this evidence. It's passages like Psalm 19.1, and there's a number that we could read. But Psalm 19.1 says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. And so we're asking for eyes to see. A sunset, right? So the, the heavens declare his anywhere, right? The skies proclaim uh, the, the work of his hands. People can look at a sunset. Maybe many in, in this room would look at it as, as a, a follower of Jesus and say, a believer in God and say, isn't he incredible? What an artist that our God is. And that he would bless us with such beauty. You know, and, and there are others that would see a sunset and, and just, just see particles of dust flying through the air and the sun shining through them and kind of rays fragmenting and, you know, those kind of things and be like, wow, what a, what a cool scientific thing that's happening there. I wish I could have said that more eloquently, but, but they, would, they would have, you know, say something like that. And, and there are others who are not believers in God, but that would look at it and say, there's got to be something behind that or the way the stars are positioned in the sky, or that, the, that the, the earth rotates around the sun to sustain life. There's gotta be something to that that, 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 that speaks of a benevolent creator, right? There, and, and so there's eyes of faith, even for those who do not yet believe, just ways that we see it, the ways that there is declaration of God, and it's eyes to see, because we're not, we were not there in the beginning when he created all things, but, but we, read, uh, we, we read like Hebrews 11.3 here, and, and we have to, we believe. We, we, we believe, as it says, we understand by faith that the universe was created by the word of God. By faith, we understand that. By faith, we see that reality. And so there's things that God wants to illuminate before us, for us to see that become like this, this evidence of conviction. And, and there, there's a, a resoluteness to it. Again, we're, we're not talking about a, 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 a talking ourselves into, you know, the power of positive thinking. I, no, no, there, there's evidence. There is that. I, I, yes, there's got to be. A, no, there is something that by the spirit of God, 
who, by the way, was there in the beginning, hovering over the deep, breathing life into creation, the Spirit of God that speaks to us today, the words of Jesus who rules and reigns and sits at the right hand of the Father, speaking nothing that he hasn't already spoken. Ruler over all things, giving us eyes to operate by faith, operate in reality, okay? And maybe that's a little shift. The reality is spiritual reality. Reality is, is not the, the, the philosophies of this world. It, it, is, it is not the, the, the scientific things or the, the historical study. Reality that trumps those things is spiritual reality. And, and the understanding that comes um, by faith is actually true understanding of the one who created all of these things that we study and try to understand. And, and so he, he is the source in that way. And he wants to give us sight by faith, by faith, there will always be the element of faith, but that faith is not a, a positive, powerful, positive thinking. It is not wishful thinking or hoping. It is an assured conviction that comes by laying hold of a, of a substance that's true in eternity and evidence of spiritual realities all around us. So God wants to stir up faith with us, within us, and, and that we would be a people who, as verse two here says, were commended for their faith. And I love how it says it here, that, that for the people of old received their commendation. It was, by, that, it was for their faith that they received their commendation. Uh, you know, when I, and when I hear the word commendation, I think of something a little more formal. I think of like the, a medal of commendation in the military as something for heroic service. And they, they wear that. That like marks them, that they got, they, they got a, a medal of commendation. And, and, and that's what I long to be said of myself, of, of us, that there is a commendation of faith over those people. They, they live by faith. There is a pressing into the ways and things of God by faith. Not a desire for the things of this world and the comforts and the pleasures that this world offers, but we joyfully accept the loss of those things, those freedoms, those, the, the, those things that the world chases after because we have hope, we have faith in eternal possessions in Him. And so today, one of our places of response is going to be in the taking of communion. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've committed your life to, to Christ, we would invite you to come and partake in the, the communion elements where we are identifying with Jesus and remembering all that he has done for us. That's the place of coming to communion and, and specifically as we do that today, I want us to be stirred with faith. You know, it says there in Hebrews 10, it was calling on them to, to remember those earlier days when you had received the light. And I want to do that same thing today. As you come to the communion table to remember those earlier days when you had received the light. 
and walked by faith. And that, that faith that was on a full exhibition and saying, I, I wasn't there when he was crucified, but I believe that he was crucified. I can't see him taking away my sin. I, I can't see that spiritual, but it, but it is a reality and it is now the conviction of my life that I am free from death and sin because of what he's done. And, and it's that proclamation of faith that, that we are not to leave at the place of salvation, but that actually ought to be growing and increasing every single day as we walk with the author and salvation uh, and giver of our faith, right? And, and so... Let today be a day where uh, in, in a moment, we invite just people to come forward and, and get the communion elements. You can take them back to your seats. Uh, but, but before you actually take the elements, just say, God, would you increase my faith? Would you allow me to, to lay hold of something today by faith? Would you open my eyes to see something um, in the spiritual realities today that would just bolster my faith? And I, and I really believe that, that as, as I know, there, there are people in this room that are, that are struggling with unbelief, that, 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 are, that are having a hard time uh, uh, making sense of something in their life that was greatly disappointing. It did not turn out like you thought it would turn out. It did not turn out like you thought God said it was gonna turn out. And people have let you down. You feel like God's let you down. And all of these things, I just really feel that there is a gift of faith that God is wanting to give you today. And that gift is like that substance. It's like this, this evidence that he's wanting to show you that, that brings you to a place of greater faith today and in this moment. So God, we're just asking for that. And Lord, I pray that you would just prepare our hearts right now in this moment to receive that, that, that gift of faith. For some in the room, it might be for the very first time believing in you as their Lord and Savior. I know that there are some in this room that have not put their faith in Jesus, have not believed in him. But today, something's stirring in your heart and he's inviting you to come to him and put your faith in him. There's others that are just struggling because of circumstances in life or being down the road of life and not where you thought you would be. And God's wanting to give you a gift today just like salvation is a gift, there's a, there's a new gift that he wants to give to you today in the realm of faith. Others of you may need to come down here to the front and get on your knees. And I, and I just had this, this picture of people getting on their knees and just saying, God, I'm sorry for not living by faith, but just for kind of coasting on the faith of the, of the early days. There's, but, but now just kind of coasting through life and, and blending in with the things of the world. And some of you literally need to come forward and get on your knees and say, God, I repent of not walking by faith. Because as it says there in, in Hebrews 10, 39, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we are those who are of faith and are saved. That faith is the opposite of shrinking back and blending in and trying to walk down the path of least resistance. God's inviting you to actually lay hold of something by faith. So I wanna invite you to stand with me. 
um, as we take a time to respond. As I said, the communion, ta- the communion elements are up here on the table. Whenever you're ready to come and get those, you can come and do that. But I, I really want you to just to really pray the, that prayer of increased faith as you do that. We're gonna have some of our ministry team members here over on the sides. If you need prayer for anything, please, we'd love to pray for you. And, and uh, we believe that God answers prayer. And, and if you wanna talk to somebody about how to have a relationship with Jesus, we'd love to talk with you. And as always, the front's open, but let's not leave this place without responding to God by faith.